The shear is L'Refuat Shlema of Yoav ben Sara, and also an, an individual who the Hebrew name is Gershon ben Yaakov and Miriam. Gershon is somebody who uh, has been listening to the shear. He's been here as well, and he said yeah. he's having surgery this week, so he asked to uh, also that we learn in his merit. So they should have Refuat Shlema. All of the all the people that are wounded, all the people that are hurt, all of Am Yisrael should have Rafua Shlema, and all the soldiers should be safe. So let's learn, and hostages. So let's learn. We it's Parsha Yitro, so I guess it's appropriate to talk about Yitro. So we are going to talk about Yitro. Yitro Kohen Midyan Chotein Moshe et Kol Asher Asa Lokim LeMoshe LiYisrael Amol Ki Otzi Hashem Et Yisrael MiMitzrayim. Now, those of you who know me will know what troubles me about this pasuk. It's the it's one of the things that you know we always track, and that is the, which name of God is being used in any particular place. And over here, what's interesting is the shift. Yitro hears, and and he's introduced as Yitro and Kohen, Midian. Yitro the now either that's a religious job or that is more of a political job. Yitro, who is the sheikh of uh, Midian. The Chotein Moshe, and I'm going to come back to that in a couple of minutes as well. Et kol elokim le So then over here, elokim. Now, those of us who will follow that which we know, namely that elokim is midad adin, so therefore what what God as midad adin did to Moshe Yisrael Amo, ki Hashem, and then there's this shift to midad harachamim Hashem, et Yisrael mimitzrayim. Which itself could be a whole discussion. When exactly was that? When did he send her away? When did this happen? Now that's also something which we have to come back to and see when, what was being referred to there. So it's interesting, Uvanav Ishto Moshe, so Moshe Uvanav Ishto El Moshe. So Vanav is also a little awkward. There's a lot of awkwardness, by the way. That's a little awkward. El Hamidbar Ashehuchunesham Har Elokim. So it's interesting that the place over here is described as Har Elokim, and, okay, we'll come back to that also. So I guess we have lots of things to come back to. But but notice that it's described as this place of Elokim. Specifically, it's Har Elokim. Continue, Pasuk Vav. V'yom Moshe, anichot n'cha yitro ba'elecha. Anichot n'cha yitro ba'elecha. I, your father-in-law Yitro, has come to you. V'yishtachau shnei v'nai ima. V'yitzei Moshe lekrat chotno. And he tells over all of what God has done to Egypt. God, And again, Moshe's speech over here, as we now note, is really quite focused on the name of, of Hashem and what Hashem has done for them. 
So that really should have been a particular response, although it's not just that an, an appreciation. That there is this happiness, which means there's this joy, and the joy, of course, is, to, is a response to what Moshe has told him for everything that Hashem had done for Israel, that had saved them from the hands of Egypt. And then Yitro says, Baruch Hashem. So again, we point out that it's always non-Jews who say Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Asher Hitzil etchem miyad Mitzrayim miyad paro. Asher Hitzil ta'am mitach yad Mitzrayim. So again, if we're trying to follow the theological flow over here, so he initially comes, and there is this, again, little confusion just noting that first pasuk again, so there was this duality, but then Moshe over here is focusing the whole time on Hashem, and his response then is really Baruch Hashem. And then pasuk Yudalav, which we're not sure how to read. Atayadati, and now I know, ki gadol Hashem Elohim. Now I know that God is greater than all the other gods. So, again, there is this little awkwardness, because does that mean that prior to coming, he didn't know it? Or, or maybe we could be a little, go back to our other question. I told you, we had all these questions to go back to, that when, when we were told before he's a Kohen Midian, and I asked you, is that a religious or is that a political appointment or position? So why don't we just go with the easy way and saying it's a First of all, why separate them? But, but on top of that, why would we suspect that he would be a monotheist, other than one really good reason? I mean, there is one really good reason, and that's one which we kind of forget and we push aside and we don't pay attention to whatsoever, and that is he's the Kohen Midian. And of course, who is the father of Midian? Avram Avinu. Okay? If you didn't pay attention to that, that was, that, was, that was there. That's written in the Chumash. That's black and white. That Avram married another wife, and he had, and he had Plakshim, and then it tells the names of the kids, and one of the kids is Midian. So therefore, if uh, he has a kid, Midian, presumably a man like Avram Avinu sent them to Cheder, or presumably a man like Avram Avinu taught them about monotheism. So therefore, the suggestion that maybe there was monotheism either... You know, latent or maybe not latent within Midian is not a terrible suggestion. On the other hand, we do question how long that belief would have stayed and how strong they were. And just because it's children of Avraham, so do we really have every reason to believe that they retained it? I mean, we're going to look at uh, at Moab, which comes from Lot. Are we going to suspect that that they're also going to be monotheists? I'm just putting it out there as this thing that we need to keep in mind. Because there's actually going to be a bigger problem that we're going to come up in a moment. Or, or he was involved in conversations and people and so on. But, but again, I tend to agree with you that he makes this statement. And you notice I deliberately translated it the way that I did. Atoyadati, which means, seems to imply that he didn't know beforehand. Atoyadati kikidola shemi kola Elohim. That's not Elohim there. That God is greater than all of the other gods. I would say Elohim at this point, as opposed to the Pasuk before. He goes and he brings offerings. So what we have over here is a section which, again, you noted what I noted. And what I noted over here is trying to follow the theological flow, 
And there is actually a huge problem at the end. Did any of you note the problem or understand what it is? When it says that, V'yikach yitroch otein Moshe olaz v'achim l'elokim v'yavau Aaron v'chozik ne Yisrael l'chol lechem im chotein Moshe l'fnei elokim. So there is, a pro- there, is, there is a problem over there. If you want, I can start with a simple problem, which, yeah, you have the bigger problem or the simple problem? Well, it sounds like he is at this point. Okay. Or in that moment, he's rejected the other gods. Okay, but there, there, there is still a larger problem over here. And, and, and your, your point is absolutely fair. And there's actually one word in this pasuk which we'll see is translated different ways because of the problem, because of, your, because of what you just now raised. There's a lack of agreement regarding a, a translation of a certain word here. Is there a much larger problem? Come on, go ahead. Break my heart. None of you know this. We've done this so many times, so therefore... The question is, what's the question? The question is, what, what's the problem in that Pasuk? That's the question. In the last Pasuk. What's the problem? It's okay. If you, if, if you don't know, then I'll, cl- then, then I'll try to make you feel better. Why should I... Yeah. No, no, that's, that's not necessarily... Yeah, no, I said that previously. Okay, let, let, let me try to focus you again. Okay, everybody... Who, I, who I've lost along the way and succeeded in making you feel inadequate. Yeah, and korbanot are only brought to yud kevavke. We'll, we'll see the Gemara telling us that in a moment. And over here, Yitro seems to be breaking the rule because korbanot are not focused to Elohim. Rather, meaning it's not that we're bribing the Midat Hadin. We're not bribing God as a judge. We're cl- close korban. We're close to God who is full of rachamim. So let, let, let's now try to back up a second. We don't, we don't, we don't know. All, all that we know right now is what it says. So let's go back, and I, I want to make a little bit of order because of what, what could have been confusing. One is in Pasuk Yud Aleph. That's where I translated Elohim as gods because he said, Atayadati kikadol Hashem mikola Elohim that God is greater than all the other gods. Now, the word Elohim is not necessarily one which implies other gods. Elohim would mean the Almighty, God who possesses all power. So, in the next passage, then I pronounce it as Elohim, because this would sound like God. He brings an offering to God. The problem is more of a subtle problem is that generally korbanot are directed towards Yudke Vavke. Again, we'll, we'll see the Gemara saying that in uh, a moment or two. But the question then actually, which we'll, we'll see, because it's not as clear. Nobody comes out and just tells you it. They expect that you can you know, notice the subtlety. Vayvo Aaron Vecholzikne Yisrael. Now, what does the word lechem mean? So, if you look at Rabbeinu Miyuchas in source number two, lelokim, korbanot l'shem shamayim. So he says, no, he brings, just in case you got convinced, confused because of the previous verse where it was God's, no, he brings l'shem shamayim. He is bringing a, a real, authentic korban at this point directed towards God. Lechem. So, what does lechem mean? to participate and eat the korbanot. So he's reading, and, and, and there's a lot of reason to support this. If one looks at the way that the word lechem is used in general in context of korbanot, so this is an absolutely fair interpretation 
And it's not like he's doing anything, anything which is fancy. On the other hand, I want you to pay attention to this Ramban. Source number three. All of this took place before they got to Sinai. Now, that, that itself is fascinating because it says that he comes, well, in Pasukei was, So part of the issue is going to be is what is, what is Sinai specifically compared to Chorev, are they synonymous or are they possibly different? So hold on for that for a second. Gam yitachin lefaresh shesidera katuv kol inyan yitro. So here I have to pause again. So you know that the, whole, the fallback position on almost any Parsha and Shemot when you get stuck, you have nothing to talk about. Is then you go on to Ein Mukta Mumuchar Latora. Are things following their proper sequence or not? And also, you know, I mean, it's very easy to have predicted that Rashi is very uh, easy on that in the sense that he'll just mix things up and tell you, oh, this comes before this. And, and, and we'll see him doing it in a moment, right? On, on, on what's about to come afterwards. And the one who pushes back on this is going to be the Ramban. And the Ramban is always going to insist that things are in their proper sequence. Now, whenever somebody wants to really understand the Ramban, they have to read what we just now read. Because it's the Ramban, absolutely, 100%. I'm not even saying there was any kind of hesitation. 100% does not claim that everything in the Torah is written in the proper sequence. He doesn't say that. He says things are in the proper sequence unless we have a reason to know that it's not in their proper sequence. Which means the, the best examples for this are the beginning of Bamidbar when the Psukim are not in the right order because it gives us the dates. It says year two, month number two, and then it goes back and says year two, month number one. So you have no choice but to say this was not written in the proper sequence. And the Ramban, of course, is going to agree because it's black and white in the words. He rather <coughs> will say you can't say it unless there's a reason to say it. But the Ramban just now gave us a reason to say it, and I know that we may have missed that. So let's read those words of the Ramban again. So first of all, he says, when does this take place? This takes place before they get to Har Sinai. Now, part of the reason to say that is because it only says they get to Har Sinai in chapter 19, in the next chapter, in chapter 18. On the other hand, what does it say, where does it say that they've arrived at? Is that they're that they're in the Midbar by Har Elohim. And what's Har Elohim? So again, we, we may have we may have lost some focus on where this place is. And I'll read to you from Perak Gimel in Shmot. Notice, So, where does Moshe have this this epiphany, the burning bush? It takes place by the Midbar, by a place called Harolokim, by a place called Chorev. So, where did this scene now takes place? It takes place. It sounds like exactly the same place. In the Midbar by Harelokim. Now, the word Chorev is missing, but it's Harelokim, so it sounds like it's the exact same place. Now, did Moshe come back? Now, th- this is already going to be a bit more interesting, because I told you that that it, he could be a little bit elusive. I, I'm going to read to you some things that you don't have here in front of you. When Moshe first meets 
his father-in-law. So he, what, whatever takes place took place in front of... Uh, let's start like this. Moshe meets the daughters of Yitro by the well. Well, the Kohen Midian, so he's introduced without even saying his name. This is in Perik Bed, Posuk Tetzayin. Ula Kohen Midian Sheva Banot. We don't know a name, just the, the job. And we don't know exactly what the job means. And it goes, they go out to, you know, to take care of the flock and get water. And they come back. Moshe then had saved them. Vetavona El Reuel Avihim. Now, there's going to be some debate there. Is Ruel their father or is Ruel their grandfather? They come back to Ruel, and he says, why are you back so quickly? And he says, and they say, Ishmitri. Right? No word about, no, no word about Moshe, no word about Elohim, no word about Hashem, no word about anything theological. A guy saved us. And as I've said many times, a man with seven daughters says, a guy saved you? Where is he? Like, like what, 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 were you, what, were you, what were you thinking at the time? So they go and they get him, and they bring him, and by the way, interesting, right? And let us eat bread. Let us break bread. Which, again, we had no reason to believe at that point any korban was involved. Let us break bread. Now that also could be really debated what it means. Moshe gets very comfortable to, uh, to settle down with this, with this family, with this man. I was a stranger in a strange land. So which land is that? Is he talking about Midian or is he talking about Egypt? Which means what's the land? He, is, is, he, is this really a Zionist statement? You know, I'm supposed to be in Israel. I'm supposed to be in Egypt. I'm supposed to be in Midian. And as I said, that this lack of clarity right here is, is really interesting. But... Over here, all that we're told is that Kohen Midian and Ruel. Perik Gimel is when Moshe comes to, as we said, he comes with the flock, and there it's called Yitro Chotein Midian. In the beginning, it was Kohen Midian. And then, if that's not good enough for you, in Perik Dalid, when Moshe comes back after having the experience by the, by the burning bush, and God speaks to him and tells him it's time to go back. Here he's called Yeter. I'm sure I've quoted this before. The Medrash says that he had seven names. So my father said that he had seven names because he had seven daughters who went bankrupt after each wedding. So he had to then change his uh, his name. Vayashav el Yeter Chotno. I'm going to go back to my brothers. Now notice something. There's no word of God in any of these conversations. When Moshe comes, Ish Mitzri saved us. Moshe doesn't qualify. And by the way, the Midrash is very upset with him with this. When it explains later on, in the end of Dvarim, the Midrash is telling why Yosef's remains are brought back to Israel and Moshe's aren't, because Moshe was called an Ish Mitzri, and he didn't protest about this. And Yosef is called uh, a Nar Ivri, and, no, and, and Yosef, you know, identifies as, uh, as an Ivri, which, again, is such a subtle point. Nonetheless, we don't find any theological conversations. Quite the opposite. Moshe is very comfortable living with this individual, and there are all kinds of conversations there. What, what is he comfortable with? Living with this uh, Kohen? Living with this idolatrous priest? 
Is this, you know, the Moshe that, that, that we know of? Is this the Moshe who's going to... So, so what exactly is taking place over here? Obviously, there's a lot more to say, although I do, I do want to point out that in Parag Dalid, where I just now read, that Vayelech Moshe Veshavel Yeter Chotno, Vashuva El Achai, which is very much a per, an interpersonal, not between man and God, but between Moshe and his brothers. I'm going to go see my brothers, which is actually the term that was used when Moshe left the palace the first time, to go out and see how his brothers are. And by the way, his brother said, who are you? Who put you in charge? You know, and, and so on. And they weren't ready. And now Moshe's going to try again to look at his brothers. Uh, by the way, we never consider what Moshe may have felt between these two times. The Moshe is the anointed one. Moshe is the one who is supposed to become the savior. Moshe goes and tries to save, and they say, who wants you? And uh, Rav Salvatric discussed this about how Moshe felt, okay, these people just aren't ready. Who knows when it's going to be? And now God says, it's, it's time. Now go back. Now they're, now, now they're ready. I'm going to see if they're still alive. I mean, by the way, imagine this. Moshe's thinking, maybe they're, maybe they're evolving killed already. God told him it's time to go back. But to Yitro, it's such an interesting conversation. So again, I'm going to know. First of all, Yitro is here in this Pasuk. Yet during the beginning of the Pasuk, Yitro at the end of the Pasuk. And Lech L'Shalom. Go in peace, but there is no theological content of any of the conversations till then. Because you know what he could have said, just a total theoretical here. He could have come back after the burning bush and say to Yitro, again, a man of religious sentiment and, and so on, you won't believe what just now happened to me, right? God who created heaven and earth, and he spoke to me, and I had a revelation, and it could be a man interested in religion would have at that point said, oh, now I know. Or he could have said, well, I don't know until God comes and speaks to me. But I'm saying it's interesting that that conversation, I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying the Torah doesn't tell us about that. Instead of talking about the theology, it talks about the social justice. And it it is also quite interesting because the Midrash puts Yitro in the palace as being one of the advisors, the Midrash, the Gemara as well, as one of the advisors for Paro, and it says that when Paro starts speaking about a final solution, he runs away. Barach. He runs away. Which is interesting, because Moshe also Barach, right? Moshe runs away from uh, from Paro, and Yitro runs away from Paro, which then creates this uh, this commonality between the two of them, but both of them are, are people involved in social, they're social justice warriors, which maybe we never would have noticed before, but all that may be much more important than I'm even letting on right now, but I want to go back to our problem. When, 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 we, when we read, just one more second, just to focus exactly where we are, in source number two, about he brings these korbanot, le'elokim, and now we had our problem. Why is he bringing le'elokim? On the other hand, we, we heard Rabbeinu Miyucha say, no, these are korbanot l'shem shamayim. And they came to eat, they came to be part of his offerings that he brought to God. Okay, slight problem we have. The Ramban, on the other hand, because I want to just take through the Ramban, and then I'll take your question, comment, or alternative speech. All this is before they got to Sinai. And he said, but it's also possible, no, this is the Ramban speaking, that the Torah just puts together all of the Yitro narratives together. That that is a good enough reason to change the sequence. But part of the problem is going to be the second section, which comes up right afterwards, 
But he said, yeah, that, that would make sense as well, that we put the Yitro sections together. Nonetheless, this took place after he was there for a while. Vinit Gayer, and he converted and he had a brit milah, and he and he went to the mikvah v'ratzat damim kamishpat, and everything was done properly. By the way, what we may not know or remember today is that one of the rules, one of the laws, one of the halachot of conversion is also to bring a korban. You can now ask a question. Hold it. How do we how do we convert people today without the korban? So presumably, when the Beit Hamikdash is going to be built, various people who were converted will then have to bring the korban. It's not something which, if you didn't bring the korban, then you're not Jewish. It's just something which you're obligated to bring. So now you, you realize where he's taking us, and I, just to make sure we don't miss it, because he's actually going to the Ramban is going to be so. In, this is just a phenomenal Ramban because what he's about to say next, on top of everything else, first of all, he exploded the myth that Ramban is against. You know, Muktam and Ma'ulchar. He says no, there has to be a reason. Creating a narrative is a good enough reason. Because that was the day of his conversion, and he's a chatan damim, which is a real interesting turn of phrase. Because where did we see that before? When Moshe was on the way back, and we don't, and, and somebody had a brit, somebody had a brit milah that day. We don't know who it is. So what the Ramban is suggesting, without saying it, again now. Some of us want to, may want to go back and look, did the Ramban say anything there? Is that maybe at that moment when Moshe does choose to go back to see his brothers, and again, the way we just now read it was, it sounds very much social justice, it's my brothers and nothing to do with God, but Moshe goes back and Moshe then goes through a conversion process. Now, why go through a conversion process? Because he's already Jewish. Did Moshe ever have a Brit Milah? So, of course, you're going to read the Midrash Shem say he was born with a Brit Milah and so on and so forth. Did Moshe ever have a Brit Milah? Again, with this uh, Bat Paro and so on. So, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything more than that because that whole section in the Malone is when we're not sure whose life was being threatened. But it's really interesting. Ki Chatan Damim Hu. And again, I don't have to say Moshe, but it's, it's interesting. Chatan Damim is borrowed from that phrase. And at that point, somebody else became. Uh, so it's interesting that he's using this by to explain what is taking place at the Yitro, essentially saying this is a full conversion. Yitro arrives, he recognizes that there's one God, he accepts that there's one God, Brit Milat, Tfilah, Korban, and now they're celebrating his conversion. That that's everybody's eating that that Korban that he had brought for his conversion. Again, there is a slight problem here, and that slight problem is why is it Shem Elohim and not Shem Yudke Vavke? Because there is this theological issue, and w- which, by the way, was one of the first things that bothered me over here, and we're going to come back to that in a second. Yes, Stu? I'm, I'm not saying that I did not say or try to imply that they're incompatible. All that I pointed out is that all the conversations between Moshe and between Yitro seem to be devoid of any theology until this point when he arrives and says, oh, I mean, he's just described till now as a Kohen Midian. If he truly is a Kohen Midian, I think the easier, again, I'm afraid to say easier, there is certainly this possibility that it's a religious position that he has. He's the priest of, uh, of Midian, and Moshe doesn't seem to uh, try to dissuade him from that at any point. And Moshe doesn't say to him, God spoke to me and told me to go, Rather, he says, I want to see how my brothers are doing. So I'm just, I, I, I noted that. I'm not saying it can't be. 
the other way, but it's interesting. That is a good question, and whether he really left and who left and so on is a continuation of all of this, and we're not going to solve that for you today. We're accepting the Ramban said that. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> As an indication that he has accepted upon him God. Kinyan ne'eman, right, and so on. Now that itself is really interesting. What mizbeach is this? So he actually suggested, oh, what Mizbeach is this? Look at source 5. Perikid Zion, at the end, two things happen, Perikid Zion. One is Moshe hits the rock as instructed. Afterwards, Amalek arrives. So I'm going to go to the end and first note, note the Mizbeach. In Pasuk Tetvav, source 5, Pasuk Tetvav at the end. Vayivin Moshe Mizbeach v'yikrosh Moshe Mnisei. Moshe builds a Mizbeach. So what the Sforno just now suggested is, oh, what Mizbeach? Well, Moshe just built a Mizbeach. The only problem that you still have now is, but where is he? I mean, weren't we told that he's in Mabar by Harilokim? So here's one of these things that then you're going to say, hold it. That has not always been there. Who put that there? This is, I, it just, this doesn't make sense because I've never seen that before. But now go back to the beginning, again, of Source 5. And this is, the people complain, there's no water. So where does Moshe get the water from? Go take your staff. Moshe hits, they're by Chorev, which now you'll understand this problem of what exactly is Chorev in relationship to Sinai. And therefore, those will, there are those who will suggest that Chorev is the general area, and Sinai is one particular mountain. They're not at Sinai yet, but they're at Chorev, which means it's not that Chorev and Sinai are synonymous, but every time we hear Chorev, it means the area of Sinai. Every time we see Sinai, it means Chorev, but it doesn't mean that they're identical. As I said, some suggest now, because of this, that one is a mountain range, and that the other is one particular mountain within that range of mountains. Chorev having to do, having to do with, yeah, with sword. But, uh, but again, all this doesn't concern me, because we have a slight problem here. They are already at Chorev in Perak Zion. So therefore, when he arrives, Harilokim, which is described as Choreva, that's not a problem. And then there's a Miz- and again, the story is saying, "Want Mizbeach? What do you mean, want Mizbeach? They just built it. Moshe just built a Mizbeach. So we have a Mizbeach. They're at Chorev, but they're still not at Sinai. When do they get at Sinai? Well, that's going to be in the beginning of Perak Yitet. We'll describe it in Sinai, even though you can say maybe Perak Yitet is describing something which has already taken place. But it is interesting that the war against Amalek is right after Moshe is already standing by a place called Chorev, So where does the water flow from? The water, the water is flowing from Chorev. By the way, you could, none of you asked me. He says, Yitro went to Mikvah. What Mikvah? Well, now you have flowing water over here, which may very well have been able to create some kind of Mayim Chaim, and so perhaps some kind of a pool of water over there, but there is flowing water right here. You say, in the middle of the desert, what water? Well, there's water, Right. Where do you see it? We saw in the, in the chapter before. 
the Ibn Ezra in source 16, which means that this is, again, the same kind of approach. This is the beginning of this relationship with God. On the other hand, the Moshe of Zakenim, which is one of the Balei Atosvot, Lechol Lechem, Klomar, Lechem Amash. They only ate the bread, which means they went, right? They only ate the bread. Now, there's a bigger problem over here, and that is what bread? So, so what's, pay attention to what he does. Ki haman lo hayyared rak liyisrael. V'yitrael hayyazar etzlam. Yitro didn't get to eat man because the man only fell for Israel. And he's a stranger. He just came to visit. He's somebody's father-in-law. He's not part of the camp. So the man fall, why do they have to eat bread with him? Because for him there's no man. Which means the Jews are eating the man all the time. The Jews don't have to worry about anything else, but Yitro does not get any man. Why? Because the man factory does not produce for Yitro because he's a stranger. Now that's, that is really interesting because he's pushing this whole thing far away from the way that we saw some of the other comments. No, what is the Lechem? Lechem is the Korban. He's like, what are you talking about? The Lechem is Lechem because he can't get bread which comes from heaven. So as I said, just completely different approach. Source, I understand, unless you say that, but he's not saying that yet. That's, exa- that's exactly the point. He's saying, no, he's not part of this, or certainly not yet. Um, source number eight was the Gemara, which I expected you'd all to know. Tanya Amir Shun Bayochai, Bore E Maktiv Beparshat Korbanot, Shalonem Bahin, Lo El, Lo Elokim, Ela Hashem, Shlolitain Pitchon Pe, Labaldin Lechlok. In order to not to allow people to become confused, Rashi writes in source nine, Labaldin, La Omumushiot Harbehain, Vadavar Mochiach, Shazesh Shmokach, Sivam La Krivlo Mincha. That you would think that different names of God or different gods commanded different korbanot. All korbanot are only in the name of Yud Kevavke. And you go through the book of Vayikri, you'll find that this is the case. And therefore, this situation of Yitro doing something different is nonetheless different. Now, um, I would have expected right away that people should have asked this question. So I started looking, and again, I looked, so who's asking the question? So for, first of all, Rabbeinu Bachaye brings it up. And that itself, by the way, should be suspicious. I'll explain why in a moment. Yitro is a religious novice. He doesn't know yet about, he doesn't know the Gemara and Zvachim yet. He doesn't know what Jewish law says, and therefore, as somebody who's just entering in, he, he, he again, he, he, he's, he's a Balchuva, he's a Ger, or if you want to put it, he has a lot of desire, but not that much knowledge, and he kind of messes up the, the Korban that he is supposed to bring, and he does it wrong. Which means, if I say to you, hold it, does it say any place in the Torah that, you, that somebody brought a Korban to Elohim? Yeah. Who? Yitro. Why? Because he messed up. By the way, even back by Noah, when Noah brings two by two animals, that's Elohim. But he brings seven by seven, that's Yudke Vavke, and those are the ones that can be brought for the Korban. And it really is a consistent concept. The Rabbeinu B'chai continues... So he's saying is that, that he doesn't really get it yet. I mean, Moshe's trying, he's trying to educate him, and Yitro's not quite there. Now, by the time I got to the Kliyakar, again, I'm looking, I'm just looking at the, at the commentaries, and I made a mistake. And once I saw Rabbeinu Machaye, then I should have, I should have, then I knew that there's something else going on, and I had to start looking for it. Okay, so let me go back before I read the 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 Kliakar. 
Oh, I'll read the Kliyakar first. All of the Mepharshim are troubled. Now, I can assure you, it's not all the Mepharshim. So what got him to say this? Because there's at least a couple of Mepharshim. Now, let me go back to Rebbeinu B'chayi. Rebbeinu B'chayi, I can't put a number, 80, 90% of the time, what he's saying is based on the Ramban, which means quite the opposite. If you read a Ramban and you're not sure what the Ramban means, then go to the Rabbeinu B'chaye and read the Rabbeinu B'chaye, then you'll realize, ah, what he's doing is he's just explaining, adjust. he's explaining the Ramban. He brings sources to the Ramban. He tells you how to understand. He sometimes quotes by name, sometimes doesn't, but that's what the Rabbeinu B'chaye does. So if you, uh, so once the Rabbeinu B'chaye said this, so of course you know what the next thing I'm going to do is, I'm going to go look in the Ramban. I'll go look in the Ramban. It's not there. So that itself to me was somewhat strange. But but of course it is in the Ramban. But look at source twelve. It's in the Ramban on the next Pasuk, which is itself part of the larger problem when you had to look for things, that when you right, you're looking at the comment on that Pasuk, so it should be in that Pasuk. And why the Ramban brought in the next Pasuk? No, what can I tell you? Now, I'm just getting a little ahead of myself because it's that's going to, we'll read that in a second in source 13. But if you go towards the bottom over here, where it's bolded, which is exactly word for word what we just now saw in the Rabbein Bachai. And you're not going to find this in all of Vayikra, in all of the laws in terms of Kohen, that a Korban is brought lelokim. It's always to Hashem. Now, the Ramban just did something which was really interesting, and I suspect we all did not necessarily understand it yet. So now give me a couple of seconds, and now we're going to move on. But again, this Ramban is really where that Rabbeinu B'chayi was getting it from, although it's interesting what the Ramban did. So let's look at source 13 first. 13 is the continuation of where we started. Yitro arrives, we have the discussion, we have our Baruch Hashem, we have his happiness, we have the Korban, or Korbanot, and then, Pasekut Gimel. Vayimi Macharat, literally Macharat means the next day. The question is, does it always mean the next day, or does it mean sometime in the future? Because it could be, also, at some time in the future. Vayimi Macharat, Vayishev Moshe Lishpot Ta'am. Moshe is sitting to judge the people. Now, part of the Ramban was alerting us to, and I'm just going to point out, that all the bolds over here that I have in this were before I saw the Ramban. Which means this is what I was looking for as well, because I told you from the beginning, what was I looking for? I was looking how the name of God was being used in this entire section. I'll tell you another thing. Initially, when I put my sources together, source 13 and source 1 were together. And then I decided to break them up in order to make it a little bit more understanding, understandable to see the separation over here between the two sources. But you could just as easily argue that they're one organic whole. Or, as the Ramban already told us, this is the, this is the Yitro section. So the Yitro section is all put together. So over here, it continues to tell us a Yitro story. And Yitro and Moshe sitting, Lishpot. What is Lishpot? That's Midat Hadin. 
Oh, but it's not midat adin in terms of God. It's it, it is Moshe acting as a judge. And and they're around all day. So what Moshe says is the people are coming to seek out God. Now this is interesting because Moshe could have said Ledrosh Hashem, but instead he says Ledrosh Elokim. Okay, as I said, we know that. Ki Yelem Davar Ba'ilai Ben Ishu and I'm going to instruct regarding, again, law. So what we have over here is very much something which is din, and they're coming to judge, and therefore the name Elohim is actually quite appropriate here. V'yom Moshe says, no, that's not really good, and because you're going to get worn out, and so on and so forth, and pasuk yutet, Elohim, kol el Elohim. So again, Elohim is used in in his words as well. V'yizartem etem et ha-chukim et torot and so on, and you should find other judges, So all of this is a section of judgment. Now, we nonetheless have a little bit of, uh, of we'll call this intrigue, and that is, when does all this take place? Rashi says, so those of you looking for your Muktamumuchar, after Yom Kippur, so they are just now arrived at Sinai, they arrive at Sinai, Rosh Chodesh Sivan, yes, and then Moshe goes up and gets the Torah, and Moshe goes up for 40 days and comes down, and they're making the ego, and Moshe goes up another 40 days, comes down, and, and Moshe's up again, and he goes up Rosh Chodesh Elul, and he comes down in Yom Kippur, and he brings the second Luchot, and that is first reported, Moshe coming down, Again, is first reported when in Perak Lamidalid or so, which means that according to what Rashi is telling us over here, right? This is pretty much end of Lamidalid, the beginning of Lamid Hay, and it's written over here in Perak Yudchet. So therefore, if this is after Yom Kippurim, we just now skipped the vast majority of the Book of Shmot, and we're talking about an event which is going to take place far in the future. And Rashi's going to try to convince us of this. But, but first of all, he tells us, What motivates Rashi to say this? Because he has a Chazal that says this. What does it mean the next day? It doesn't mean the next day after this event of Yitro arriving. It means the next day after Matan Torah. And nonetheless, Rashi now is doubling down, and you have to say, it's impossible to say it was prior to this. Why? Because if Moshe is judging the people based on what content is he judging the people? It has to be based upon the content that Moshe learns from God. So the content of, that Moshe learns from God, when did Moshe have a chance to teach them? He doesn't have a chance to teach them until he comes down from the mountain. Well, the first time he's trying to save their lives, and it's not until he comes down after Yom Kippur. So therefore, that again took us to Paraklamid Hay. You can't say it's before Matan Torah. Moshe had no opportunity to sit and judge. And then he does the whole math for you. And the Torah here is not written in its proper sequence. Which is pretty funny, because the Ramban essentially agreed 
kind of, sort of, maybe. Give me a couple seconds. And that's already the second year. According to the approach that Yitro is before the Torah is given, he arrived. By the way, we just now jumped to the end of Perak Yud and Sefer Bamidbar. Hold it, is that the same conversation? Is this the same thing? Is that, I mean, t- talking about out of sequence, is that part of what's taking place over here? So that's another name for him. So I hope that now you're sufficiently, not necessarily confused, Rashi just now gave you a really cogent argument as to why this continuation is much later. The only question was how much later this is. It couldn't have been before Moshe comes down from her, from her Sinai. Now, how much time do we have? We have a couple of minutes. And even though Rashi was really forceful that it couldn't have been before, I'm not completely convinced and I want to point out something else. Rashi just took us to Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is very much of a day of, if you look at Source 15, It's a day of standing before God, but Hashem. Right? Because it's a day of Rachamim, day of forgiveness. Okay, good. Um, Second thing about Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, as we know from the Mishnah, we know from the Halacha, to the Shulchan Aruch, which I noted at the end, This is why we go around before Yom Kippur and we ask people for Mechila. Why? Because Yom Kippur doesn't forgive us for sins between people. Okay, now why am I bringing this up? The next chapter... We, 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 we've been essentially in Yudchet the whole time, the arrival of Yitzchel. Perak Yudchet, Bechodesh HaShlishi, Litzei Pnei Yisrael Bermitzah, remember I told you, on Rosh Chodesh Sivan, Biyom Azebo Midbar Sinai. Then they get to Midbar Sinai. Biyisu, notice the plural, Mirafidim, Vayavo, notice the plural, they arrive Midbar Sinai. Vayichanu, notice the plural, Vayichan Shem Yizon and then notice the, in the singular. Right, so it's in plural, the whole thing is in the plural, and then the singular. Right, vayisu in plural, vayavo in plural, vayachanu in the plural, vayichan in the singular. Rashi, vayichan sham Yisrael ki ishachad belevachad. Avoshah kol achaniot b'taramotu machloket. Now there was total unity, and I have a really simple question for you: What created the unity? Now you could tell me, and I'll even 95 percent accept it, but there's still going to be the five percent. What brings the unity? So you can say the anticipation of receiving the Torah. By the way, you can also tell me the war that just now took place against Amalek. Wars tend to bring people together. So they had a war against Amalek, and now they're unified, and now they're standing at a Sinai, and now they're ready to receive it as one person. But there's a problem, because in order for there to be unity, we actually need there to be law. Because with law, because without law, there's going to be anarchy because people will have disagreements and each person's going to make their own arguments and essentially it'll be the survival of the fittest and you're going to have uh, cultural and social Darwinism because with, with the absence of law, you don't protect the weak. Rather, the mighty win. And that's what happens. So how exactly do they have... I told you, 95% you can convince me, but it's still this 5%. We, we could, again, if we have a disagreement and then say, hold it. I think it's mine, I think it's mine. We open up the book and says, oh, this is the case. 
Ah, so one of us then is going to hopefully back down, or we go to somebody else, you know, which one of us is right. Based on what could we make peace if we don't have any kind of a legal structure? So I'm, I'm going to say it again. When we first read this, oh, yeah, they're completely unified, so how do they get unified? Now, you know I would not ask this question unless I have an answer. And of course I have an answer, because if you look at source, if you, if you look at source number 19, again, back in last week's parsha, again, a water crisis. There, they were given chok mishpat. So hold it. What does that mean, chok mishpat? And it continues. Right, what's the opposite of yashar be'inav ta'aseh? Right? Everyone does what they think is right. No, you do what God says. So this is really interesting because there is some kind of introduction of law. It actually used the word chok, it used the word mishpat, it used the word Torah, it used the word mitzvah. Moreover, if you look at, so I'm skipping 20, if you look at source 21, the Rambam in Hilchot Sanhedrin, mitzvah tasei shel Torah lumnot shoftim. Right? It's a mitzvah to have shoftim, shoftim v'shoftim, b'chol midina midina, b'chol pelach, u'pelach, all over, shenema, shoftim v'shoftim, titin l'cha b'chol sharecha. Shoftim elo odayanim, ha'kvoim, b'beitin, and why do you need them all over the place? What's the answer? Because if you don't have this, you're going to have anarchy. Because people are not, you're not going to be able to implement law. If you look at source 22, the Rambam here is in Hilchot Malachim, and he says, and he gives us what we call the Sheva Mitzvot, one of them which is involved in on having law. By the way, the exact same words almost that the Rambam had when he talked in Hilchot Sanhedrin regarding Jews. He says, yeah, non-Jews also need to have a legal system. So now I'll go back to our uh, to Yitro. Yitro and Kohen Midian, is he a judge or is he a religious leader? And it could be both. Is he following the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach? Is he not? That becomes a much more interesting question. He has this heightened sensitivity to Elohim, maybe even as, maybe he is, a, again, as a leader, maybe he is a judge. What laws is he implementing? I'd love to believe it's the Sheva Mitzvah, but as a judge, he then turns to Moshe, essentially, as one professional to the other, and says, well, you know, this is need to do it. And the fact that he brought that korban to Elohim could be that that is the aspect that he is relating to the most. Now, Rashi, or should I say, even Rashi, in source 24, Shamsam Lochok, Rashi 24, he gave them some of the sections of Torah. Shabbat Paraduma Vidinim gave them laws. Which means my question before is how can they make up with one another? By the way, Rashi is much stronger than that. In source twenty five, in Parshat Mishpatim, when it says Vet Kolha Mishpatim, Shevimitsuch and it's what did Moshe teach the people? Shevimitsuch and it's Tavubininok, Vishabat Vakivaim Vaparaduma, Vidinim Shunulahem Bamara. That Moshe at this point again reiterates the dinim which they already see, received at Marag. And Rashi is right there. Later on, it says that Moshe writes things down, Moshe, Right? 
going back to what happened over there, which means this isn't safer a Brit, should I say this again? Rashi is quite consistent that we received law at Marah. And when Rashi said before, I'm asking a question, I'm not answering this today. When Rashi said before, it's impossible to say that they uh, that Moshe was judging them based on law before Yom Kippurim, because what law is he going to be basing them on? What do you mean, what law is he basing them on? Rashi himself knows that he, that he could have done this based upon what was taught by Marah. If by, by Marah, where, where that place, yeah, where, yeah by the bit of water. If you look at the Datsakanim from the Balea Tosfot, and by the way, this is not just the Datsakanim. A, a whole bunch of the Balea Tosfot would say the same thing. Pirish Rashi, Mimrachat Yomakipurim, Vikozi, Yeshlam Lafishi Tadrashi, Dimafarish Yitra La Achramatan Taraya. Rashi's just trying to be consistent with a different point. Rashi says that Yitro arrived after Matan Torah. There's a whole argument. What did he hear? Did he hear about Yitzhi Mitzrayim? Did he hear about the splitting of the sea? Did he hear about the war against Amalek? Did he hear against, about Matan Torah? So Rashi's insisting he arrived afterwards. So once he arrived afterwards, so then you essentially, then, the, then you go in one direction. Which means, of course, all of this, which means everything flipped around. I think if you go back to their Ramban that we may not have understood before, and... The Ramban was in, yeah. The Ramban was in source number twelve. Yeah. If we'll tr- if we'll try it again, let's go that last third of the Ramban. Right, that part we saw. And again, that was a problem which we were told everybody asks. But now you see the Ramban could be everybody. So I think we can tease, again, the Ramban's not as clear as the Baalei Tosfar, but I could be, we can tease out of this Ramban as well, that Yitro's orientation was towards judgment. And therefore, the people learned this again. This is part of what's interesting. The people learned these laws beforehand. I, I just want to put the whole thing together just to make sure everything is clear. The people learned the laws of interpersonal relationships beforehand. That's what creates the peace when they add her Sinai. Because you can't have peace unless you have law. Because otherwise, you're just going to end up again with a, even with people who are good natured and so on. If there are no laws, there's no rules, there's no boundaries. Then how do I avoid stepping on somebody else or taking somebody else's possessions when it's not clear exactly where the boundaries are? So therefore, to take all those laws that were taught beforehand, and again, the one shift over here is that it's been pointed out now that Rashi's being consistent that Yitro comes later and he's pushing the whole story to later and he's not troubled by the Mukdamu Mukhar problem. So therefore the Yitro section is be, is before... And, and, and again, I, I, I want to be clear on this because you can then ask me, if it doesn't happen now, why is it placed now? Why don't we just put the whole Yitro story in Baalotcha? where Yitro comes, Yitro goes, and put the whole story over there. It could be because we just now had a Malik. We had, we had Mitzrayim, and we had Amalek. And you can come to, sorry, if anybody's going to hear anything political here, you can hear what you want, that you can come to the conclusion that then all the non-Jews are out to kill us. 
And then we have one Nanju comes and says, Baruch Hashem. One Nanju comes and says, wow, look at the wonderful thing that God did for you. And it could be that after having, again, that's what, he hears about a Amalek and he has to come and say, no, I support you and I'm with you and I want to, uh, I, I, I want to pray for you and I want to uh, recognize your God and I want to recognize who you are. And that's what you'd end up having to say according to Rashi. According to, according to Rashi, it doesn't happen here. Wonderful. So why is it here? doesn't happen here. Why is it here? Skip Perak Yudchet, go straight to Perak Yudchet, because the whole thing becomes awkward. So according to Rashi, you're going to end up having to ask that question, and I think give an answer along those lines. You want to, you want to nuance it in a different way that's up, you know, do whatever you want. But I'm saying, otherwise, it doesn't belong here. There's no reason for it to be here. On the other hand, when I get to the beginning of Perak Yutet and I have unity, so where did that unity come from? Well, look at the unity. Look, Moshe is sitting and he's judging and, and creating peace between the people. Well, what happens when Moshe creates the peace between the people? So Rashi says, oh, no, that has to be afterwards. Yeah, according to Rashi, it's afterwards. But I don't have to say it's afterwards, even according to Rashi. You know, again, other than that other point of Rashi, I don't have to say it's after according to Rashi. Because according to Rashi, they did receive law at Marah. They were taught about interpersonal laws. For Moshe then to adjudicate, and what does adjudication do? It creates peace between people. That then becomes the introduction to Harsinai, and that that becomes a very natural thing. Yitro comes, Yitro hears, Yitro is happy, Yitro may even convert. Again, that, that's if we want to stay with the Ramban now. <coughs> and what's fascinating about the Ramban, Yitro hears, Yitro converts. This is before... It could be that part of this actually happens afterwards, but it puts the Yitro narrative together. <coughs> but even so, when I still have to answer, why is it here? Yitro's whole orientation is towards judgments, towards Elohim, and the Korban is there. Elohim, because he doesn't really understand theology, but the other, on the other hand, he does understand something else. And what does he understand? He understands judgment. And therefore, he's there to give advice in terms of judgment, and it's the judgment which ultimately creates the peace. And then we're ready to be unified as one person and to accept the Torah.